Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the 2023 housing market and why home prices are still rising. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here. It's the last week of the year, and we made it once again. We made it, you know, over the weekend. Um, on December 23rd, we published an article from you that said, you know, that the 2023 housing market bent, but it didn't break. And I thought it was a great way to sum up what this year was like. I mean, it was a very challenging year, but the housing market stood strong throughout, and so did the housing professionals that listened to this podcast. Yes, when you think about, you know, this period of time in history, the, the housing market uh, was disproportionately impacted more than other sectors because um, other sectors, you know, retail sales didn't have the biggest collapse ever recorded in history in 2022 and stayed low all of 2023. Car sales didn't have the same thing. You know, manufacturing uh, reports, even though they're soft, they, they, they nothing really resembled what the housing market had to do because, you know, we, we've gone from, you know, 2.75% mortgage rates to above 8%. And once rates got above 6%, we saw a noticeable change in, in the marketplace and sales held at these very low levels, but that 4 million level around there, you know, it's still stuck that core base that I've always talked about for many years. Uh, and, and for me, just personally to see this tested with, you know, seven to eight percent mortgage rates and where home prices have gone uh, really solidifies my belief that there's just this four million core buyer that's always been here since 1996. And they haven't left even with mortgage rates and prices where they are. And that makes a huge difference. Uh, uh, that was the whole November 9th, 2022 premise that, you know, we're heading toward four million. At that point, things should stabilize, balance. If they do, things are going to change because we were working from the biggest and fastest sales crash ever recorded in history. And now that we're here again and rates have fallen again, we found that foundation, that core base to work off of uh, while the housing market is still somewhat intact just because credit profiles are, are still so uh, good. That's you know 13 years of having qualified mortgage be in the system. You should have the best loan profiles ever recorded in history. Such a huge difference, um, which really leads us into um, what we want to talk about today, or at least part of it, which is home prices, home prices, because we've got, we had both of the, um, the FHFA and the Case Shiller come out this week. What did we find? So of course, home prices are at all time highs, right? And, you know, we, people like to use the Case Shiller, FHFA, Zillow, you know, cause it's the aggregate home price index data. Uh, a lot of people don't use median sales price. They're roughly somewhat similar, but uh, because of the uh, sales prices of uh, bigger, more expensive homes or smaller homes, people tend not to use the median sales prices or primary indicator. So we're here, it's December, going into 2024 and home prices are at all-time highs with six to eight percent mortgage rates the entire year this isn't like you know mortgage rates went back down to three and a half and then came back to up to six we literally authentically had an entire year 
between six to eight percent mortgage rates. People thought home prices were going to crash at five percent, right? Um, but here, I think we, we trying to explain supply and demand equilibrium, right? That dynamic really shaped the entire housing economic discussion in 2020 to 2023 and going into 2024. And I think we have to like teach people like what just happened here because there's a there was a concept that prices follow volume. This is true in the sense that the price growth will slow down if volume sales fall, but we had the biggest crash ever recorded in history. So naturally everyone thought home prices have to fall in 2023. This is it. This was the final year. It had to happen. It didn't. Not only did that didn't, home prices rose this year. So I think today's trying to explain what what just happened. Like, how is this possible? But if you followed our work for the last four years, you know, years 2020 to 2024 is my baby. I got to sit here and defend this this period more than anyone else. Uh, so today we're going to explain the supply and demand equilibrium and how to look forward into 2024 with prices. So two points of clarification. When you say uh, biggest uh, crash in, in history, you mean the sales, not the prices, right? Not the prices, sales, yes. Right, just the volume. We're just talking volume there. Um, and then when you say we, I so appreciate that, but really it's it's you. You're the one who does the, the economic work and you're the one who, who writes the articles. So Sarah just Wheeler. for our audience... I know you're going to say that it's a team effort, Sarah but I'm Wheeler, just saying. It is, a t it is a team. It is a we. <laughs> there is no I in any of this, right? As soon as you start <laughs> discounting yourself and the team, then, you know, no, that's not how it works. It is we. It is I. It is a team. The old I high school basketball that. coach me right now. I know, but I did not come up with any of these economic models. So it is a, it is an I, not a we. But okay, with that foundation laid, let's talk about it. Okay. Let's go into 2020, right? So 2020, what occurred is, and hopefully now people understand why it's important to have a weekly tracker. Um, mortgage rates in 2018 got to 5%. Everyone was in the home price crash carrot. Then, you know, for my, for my work, you know, back then, November, I remember the 10 year yields going lower next year. And if that happens, right, remember this, keep it simple. The 10 year yield drops, mortgage rates drops, demand picks up. What, what occurred in 2018, 19 is that the price growth was cooling down and then everybody went into crash mode. And then while they were creating their YouTube accounts and home prices are crashing, the forward-looking data was getting better and home sales were getting better and price growth was picking up. That's just, just the way it is. There, there are people who, who do not literally track weekly, monthly, or live data, so they missed that one. So we're going into COVID, right? And a lot of the housing economic data was getting noticeably better. And then 2020, housing broke out authentically. If you look at the purchase application data, new home sales, everything, everything was breaking out. Then COVID happened. So everyone went into triple overdrive. But even though home sales crashed all the way down to 4 million, I mean, that was just the, the timing of, you know, how everything was going to change. Inventory didn't crash higher. Inventory was stable. Why? Homeowners live in their homes. They're not stock traders. They're not YouTubers or Xers. They just live in their house. So they don't they don't work how everyone else thinks. When you sell your house, you have to find somewhere to live because you can't be homeless because especially if you have children, the cops will take your kids away from you. Remember that statement going out for the next five or 10 years. 
So if they're doing really well, why would they sell? They didn't. So all of a sudden, the COVID-19 recovery model, April 7th, 2020, wait till May 18th, if things normalize, what happened? Purchase application data rebounded, six weeks. So then we're, we're now working with very low inventory because active inventory broke to all-time lows, rising demand, and price acceleration was about to come up because we have too many people chasing 2P homes. So 2020 was already done. I, I think out of all the hate mail I've ever got, <laughs> the summer of 2020 had to be the most because that, for, I mean, nobody would believe the COVID-19 recovery model anyway, but in the summer of 2020, I was like, existing home sales are going to be positive. And it was just all hell just broke loose after that. I was like, no, if you look at the forward-looking data, right, and this is key for this conversation later on, it's going to be positive. We were like running 33% at that time. We're, we're going to be positive. So what happened? We ended the year positive. So rising demand, inventory's low, price growth was picking up. But here it is, then it's 2021. So 2021 is a very good topic for everyone because a lot of people are talking about this now. Nobody was listing their homes in COVID. Mortgage rates are going down. Millions of people will rush to the market and sell and home prices will crash. And then on top of that, the forbearance crash bros were created in the summer of uh, 2020. And millions of people are going to go to for. If you didn't hug a forbearance crash bro for Christmas, make sure to give one a hug on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. So then here it is again, what happened? Forward-looking housing data was getting good. There was no inventory surge. Reading is a good thing, right? So new listings data, I think this was, this was a good conversation I had. Um, one of the reasons why I say insane in the membrane for everybody talking about 2008, new listings data, the last three years, were trending at the lowest levels ever recorded history. This last week, we're like 35, 36,000, somewhere around there. Back in 2008 to 2011, this data line, during the entire time was running at 250,000 to 400,000 a week per week. This is why I would say reading, why these people do not read. So they don't even know the, the references. So during this entire time where new listings data was trading at the lowest levels ever recorded in history, they're trying to con you into a data line that doesn't exist because we've never got like above a hundred thousand on any of the weekly data for three years. So if you visually can see and read, you go, okay, this doesn't look like this period. Of course, home buyers aren't stressed. So 2021 was the, oh God, here we are. We were writing about, we needed higher mortgage rates in February of 2021 because things were about to get out of hand. And while people were telling home prices are crashing because Americans were going to rush to sell and they were going to sell in panic and home prices were going to crash. And that's not going to work right? Because that's not how humans operate. They list their homes, they sit there, they wait for an offer. They're not going to give you their homes at 20 or 30% off, right? So in that context, it became a very unhealthy housing market, the, the construct of these, you know, savagely unhealthy housing market. We go into 2021 all the way to 2022. Now things were really bad in 2022 because what occurred is that the seasonal decline was happening and then the forward-looking housing data was getting uh, noticeably better. So it was the worst case scenario. Uh, 2022 came single family listings. March of 2022, the lowest levels ever recorded in the history of America, 240,000. That was it in a country of 335. So the supply and demand equally, demand was still rising with that lowest supply. 
Then mortgage rates started to take off. So now this is a different conversation. Mortgage rates three to six, six to five, six to seven and a half percent. During this whole time, right, we grew at such a fast rate early in the year that <clears throat> the marketplace could not handle, you know, <clears throat> rates doubling. So the slope of the inventory curve went really fast. So this is the thing for 2024. If there's stress in the market in terms of pricing, the slope of the active listing should go fa up fast. The slope of the price cut percentages went up. That was 2022. So, but the second part was new listings data was starting to decline. So you're only working with those homes that are on the market. You're not getting a vast amount of new products. Now people list their homes every single week, but it wasn't anything big. Then November 9th came in 2022. I was like, okay, home sales are crashing. Just like in 2020, when I said home price, existing home sales are going to be positive here, we're getting to a level where I think we're, we're going to bottom that changed everything. So you, if you want to understand 2023, why prices got back to all time highs and are rising with six to 8% mortgage rate, there is a core 4 million home buyer. And if inventory is low and demand is stable, you're not getting price crashes. It's supply and demand equilibrium has never worked that way. Not going back to the Peloponnesian War. We don't have anything in history to say stable demand and low inventory means home prices are crashing. If you had the biggest home sale crash ever in history, you can have prices decline. We saw that. See, active inventory was low in 2022. Monthly supply was low for the existing home sales market, but it was working with the biggest crash in sales. You have to put 2022 as an anomaly year and throw it out, right? That's just not a normal year. So now 2023 came, forward-looking data started to get better from November 9th. Here we are, mortgage rates went up and down, right? We went to six to seven, seven, and then headed all the way to 8%. But even at 8% mortgage rates, during this entire time, new listings data was still trending at the lowest levels ever recorded in history. Then home sales were pretty stable, right? They weren't crashing. They weren't going anywhere. In fact, we were falling slowly for months. And even with 8% mortgage rates, we didn't see any of the stress in the data. That's why we, we created a tracker for everyone so everyone could read this. So in this environment, how did prices get back to all-time highs in 2023 and rise with rising interest rates? Well, that buyer is there. You look at home buyer home, home buying at such a low level, but and you think home prices, no. If that buyer wasn't there anymore, if home sales were coming down to 2 million, there you go. You got something to work with, but it was never there in the data. So very low inventory, stable demand, prices are rising in parts of the area. You have more multiple bids than other. It's still the concept of too many people still chasing too few homes. And the supply never kind of even came close to getting back to uh, uh, 2019 levels for the country. So this is so key because it's why you always talk about labor and a job loss recession, because, you know, for a lot of consumers now, if you're a professional, if you're in real estate and, and mortgage or whatever, I'm glad you're, you know, those people are listening to this podcast because they should, they should know better, but your average consumer is just, they, they only buy a house every once in a while. And, you know, they only pay attention to housing every once in a while. So the last time that, you know, they were paying attention to a crash, you know, it was a crash pretty much. I'm not saying, you know, in 2020, you had a lot of people who were interested and followed what was happening, but I think they're so susceptible to believing that we're, we're just around the corner from a crash because that was such a shock to the system. Right. 
But, you know, maybe you could, we never had a job loss recession. And that's why you kept looking at the labor data and you're like, listen, people aren't going to just sell their homes uh, for no good reason. The only reason they would, they would sell is because a whole bunch of people lost their jobs, but that did not happen. You know, one of the reasons why I, I, I try to connect with normal people by creating languages that someone could understand. So when I say you have to be careful of middle-aged men stock traders, because stock traders do this, right? We've had live debates with stock traders who think reverting to the mean and people have to do this. If you are a parent and you sell your house and you're not a buyer and you don't rent another property, you will be homeless. This is why I try to connect with people how crazy some of these talking points are. When you're homeless and you have children, your children will be taken away from you by the police because you're putting their lives in jeopardy. They need somewhere to live. So think of this not as a asset first. Think of it as the cost of shelter. This is why I've always, I've had the same line for 13 years. Housing is the cost of shelter to your own capacity to own the debt, right? The debt payment. Right. It's not a financial asset, it's shelter. Once you look at it as shelter, you have to put the component variable that if I sell this house, I have to acquire another piece of shelter. Now, my total housing cost right now is very good, right? This is why we always do the fixed debt cost, rising wages, cash flow gets better. You're now asking people who are doing very well, who are educated. You know, I always say people work, they have sex, their neighbors, they have friends, their kids go to school. These people just don't throw it all up because some crazy person on YouTube is saying home prices are crashing. It's not the case, right? Because it's the fear of run to the market, sell your house. No, no, that never happened. We had three crazy years, COVID, right? Uh, we had forbearance. We had uh, the biggest crash in home sales and pretty much home sellers were like, okay, whatever. They're chill. So in, in the eyes of, of a lot of market participants, they believe these are like stock traders on margin. They have to sell and they want. Now, when jobless claims break above 320,000, three, the four-week moving average, okay, there's a civilian labor force model with, with how jobs work in each cycle, and you have to get through a certain percentage to start talking about a recession. That's why I have that 323,000. Not there. Once it breaks, we can talk about that. Then we could talk about people needing to sell their homes, right? And, and not in a very good position to do so, right? That's the difference. Like, like a lot of people, uh, a very good discussion, people are like, wow, there's just so much more inventory back during the crisis. Yes, but you got to remember, they're not in control of that. They were foreclosing, right? They were foreclosing, they're underwater. You, they have no control of the process on top of the fact that they weren't buying another house at the same team. You got two different things working back then. None of that action was happening now. So you work with the supply and demand equilibrium, knowing the fact that people read and home sellers are in a very good spot because they're employed. So if you think of this whole national flooding the market, you would need some of the variables need to change. And it's just not there. Once jobless claims break above 323, we will take a look at it. But we have sat here with new listings data trending at the lowest levels ever recorded in history with three years of people saying, Inventory is going to skyrocket. Inventory is going to never happen. So you have to understand why something happens more than the final response. I love that because um, you get a lot of responses. This podcast gets a lot of responses from people who are like, 
now that I listen to this, I understand how to talk to my clients, right? Whether that's um, home buyers or, you know, if you're a real estate agent, people looking, uh, sellers, because it informs everything. It, is there a housing crash coming or is there not? And the, and the truth is there is not any housing crash coming that you and I could see that you see in the data. And there would be obvious places to see that in the data. So as we go into 2024, we want to assure people that, you know, what you see is not that. Sarah, why is the NER tour very popular? When we travel around the country, because imagine me live on stage with my charts. Oh yeah, it's showtime. But what I'm telling people is a story of data, not not me or right. not anyone else's. I'm basically just relaying the story. Now I try to make it as entertaining as as relatable as uh, possible. And by the way, to my economic friends out there, you, the feedback I've got is you guys are boring. Stop being boring. Relate to your audience, right? Find a way to talk like a human, all right? And, and uh, loosen up a bit. But in this case, when the data change, we go with it. We don't double or triple down on a bad call and keep on saying the same thing over. I mean, think about this. Sarah, one of my most healthiest relationships are going to end, is going to end in a few days, right? The whole housing bubble boy 2.0 3.0 the whole 12 year broken clock is coming to an end and why was the relationship healthy because truly the committed people in a relationship are insane and they were insane for 12 years and it was batman <laughs> versus a joker they never stopped so we documented this over and over again every single year of all the things they said, home prices were going to crash and it never happened, but they were there for me, right? That is a healthy relationship and it's coming to an end. And I'm like, oh my God, it's over. What? A but they did it. Why? Because they were insane. Yeah. I, I think a healthy relationship ha should have less name calling. That That's just me. Maybe it's all my years of uh, being in therapy, but I, I think there should be less name calling. S Sarah, Sarah, some people are born and they're always ice skating uphill. And I've always said that there's only <laughs> one, there's only one group of American and Russian citizens who think like this every single day, and they all hate the Federal Reserve. There's, there's nothing else. We have some crazy MMT people who are left-wing nutcases as well, but there is only one group of, and they chose this life. The, the, nobody forced this. They chose to be a 24-7 doomsday clan until death in the afterlife. And trust me, I've always said this, even in death, even in the afterlife, not even the devil will take them in. They will be in a dark abyss and they will scream to the ends of the, wherever there are, that the Fed's balance sheet is ruining everything. This is who, the, this is who they are. I, I, I enjoy it. I mean, I just think they're going, wow, you live in this time in history. Like back in the 18 and 1700s, life was really tough, but you chose this period in time to be a doomer. 24-7, boy, man, during the longest economic and job expansion ever recorded, during the fastest and greatest recovery during COVID, during all the times where people said we're going into recession, the United States, and you can't take that back. That is time stamped on your forehead. So people can choose a lot. Trust me, they're entertaining as hell. I get it. Being a doomer is wonderful for clicks. And the economic side, economics done right should not be sexy or fun. It should be done boring. I'm trying to get somewhere in the middle where we could talk about 
economics truth and try to make it into and try to relate it to the people. I mean, why do you think the Gandalf line was created this year? Right? I've got to get people to think the 10 year yield is not going to break under 3.37 until the labor market breaks. The labor market isn't breaking. So I don't think this is going to break. Gandalf the Gray, you shall not pass. You shall not pass. I was like, God, it's testing it so many times. What if it breaks? Did it break? But then people are thinking, you shall not pass. Why though? Because the labor market wasn't breaking, right? So just be mindful of who you listen to. I've always said, if somebody hasn't forecasted for at least five to 10 years or can tell you what their live tracking model is, they're trash. But trash sells in this country. Come on, this is America. You can be completely wrong and lie for so many long. And Harry Dent is a great uh, example of this. Harry Dent is one of the worst economic people in the history of the world. People still reading books, looking at his stuff, but he's terrible. So terrible works. Some of us take a little bit more pride in ourselves and a little bit more pride in our country. And that continuous, that battle, Joker versus uh, Batman, it's always going to be here, right? It's never going to change. We're always going to have doomers. We're going to have people in the light and that fight will happen every single day. Not going to change. Well, let's, um, the next time that I uh, speak with you, the next time we're on this podcast, we're going to do your 2024 for forecast. I'm super excited about that. Even though you have disparaged, uh, year long forecasts as you know, no one should listen to them. Yeah, yeah, um, always, <laughs> right. Just, just remember, remember you, you have a forecast, but you got to give people a live working model. To go with it because economics doesn't stay static. And you have to right. move with it, right? And we've had such extreme. I mean, think about this, Sarah. We just had the uh, Case Shiller and FHFA Home Price Index. That's kind of before rates started to take up to eight percent, and now rates have yep. gone back down to you know you know six and a half percent. Where so we've already had these major swings within like weeks, up and down, and that matters to housing. So we can't actually sit there and think. We're going to give you we're going to give you a forecast. We're going to give you a base level of what everything should go, but we're also going to give you a live tracker. This is why the live tracker had to be created, you know, toward the end. We have to give people something to work with so everybody reads. And that's that's what I wanted. A country of people of reading. I think we just passed the 1-year anniversary of the tracker, the housing market tracker, which you do every Saturday now, um using Altos research data, you you spend Friday night pouring over the data and creating this article every Saturday that uh is very informative and uh so that's what you're talking about when you're talking about a live tracker. Yes, yes, a live tracker so then everyone sees it, whether it's positive or negative, it is irrelevant to me. All I'm doing is taking the forward-looking data and the forward-looking data has worked since when? Since the Peloponnesian um, War, the, Sarah. The Peloponnesian War? <laughs> yes, we always use the Peloponnesian War because we want to show the history of scale, right? Right? There are certain things that if the facts, the forward-looking facts go one way, they stay that way. If they go negative or positive, we go with it. We don't change it. We don't create hypothetical theories without the data to kind of verify it going out. So we want to give people a broad line to look ahead because things move faster, right? This wasn't so much of an issue in the past decade. Past decade, you had ranges and they were very stable and it was very, here is just not the case. That's this, this is why we, I really wanted that tracker out last year. Um, because I could see that if, if the tracker was here in 2020, 2021, it's, could you imagine how bad it would have been for a lot of people? We had the tracker going on for four years and then everybody's making up these uh, crazy theories. Now, now what I've seen at least is that I, I believe people started to read. And I believe now even some of my housing crash friends are like, 
really like stepping back. They're, they're not going full force anymore because they go, wait a second, if this gets better, I, can't, I just can't do it. So this is a positive, right? Because if I can teach my enemy how to read, then that's a good thing, right? This is why I would say reading is a good thing. The history of human civilization has taught us this, right? But there are there are people in history that burn books and don't read and are fanaticals and disinformation campaigns. I mean, look at what the Russian trolls did for so long. Disinformation campaigns are tactical warfare. You have to fight them, you know, face to face. You can't sit there and ignore it. This is my criticism of the academic world. You allowed these people to go out there and just basically lie without pushing back. This is why I do live debates. Why do you think I challenge everyone to live debates? Once I get someone on live debate, their name and face recorded. I'm going to say, do you forecast? No, I don't. Do you have any miles? No, I don't. But we got them on record. 99% people don't want any of this heat, right? Why? Because we want to get people reading. We want to get people to knowledge. And it goes with it. Regardless of what the outcome is, you go with it. Because things change, man. Things change. Things come out of nowhere. Like COVID. COVID came. We had to create a COVID-19 recovery model on April 7, 2020. We had to retire that model on December 9, 2020. But then that doesn't mean we stop. We go forward with it. So let me guide you into the last year of all my economic work in terms of, you know, years 2020 to 2024. Trust me. Don't trust them. Think about it. If 2020, 2021, and 2022, uh, three have not taught you to trust me, then that's on you. Because I'm just going to tell you what the data tells me. But I'm going to be straight and narrow on it. We love that. So I would encourage our listeners, um, tune in next time. We're going to go through the 2024 forecast. You can send me questions. You can send Logan questions. We're both uh, always accessible. My uh, email is sarah at hwmedia.com. Logan has the same, logan at hwmedia.com. Send us your questions and uh, and we'll also talk about those things. And, and also, if you guys really want to nerd out, Logan Motoshami's Instagram page is videos of about economic data and we do a live q a every friday to saturday ask your questions again my job is to teach right and if i teach you learn then you your kids will learn your friends will learn your neighbors but the final things we're going to get uncle dave we are going to teach uncle dave that it's not 2008 and once we get uncle dave to believe it's not 2008 then we won victory I actually have an Uncle Dave. He's such a nice guy. I don't know what he thinks about economics. We have not had that talk. So, Logan, thank you so much for being on. We will talk again soon. Always a pleasure, Sarah Wheeler. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.